an anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Episode 434, submission number 2530, The New Liars Club. The New Liars Club aired in syndication from September 1st of 1988, at least in Canada, through the 1988-89 season for a total of 130 episodes. That is an entire 16 crock blocks plus an additional two episodes. And we know what a crock block is. Oh, you don't? It's the number of aired episodes of Uncle Croc's Block, Schooled, J.J. Starbuck, uh, the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show, Tiger King, Schooled, you already said school. Whatever. People know what a crock lock is. They've heard it enough. And Greg, you mentioned to us, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, but one of the football commentators, they accidentally said instead of chop block, they said crock block. Yes, this was during a Pac-12 game last week on the Pac-12 network. That's right, folks. I use Sling TV to watch the Pac-12 network and all the fine programming they have, which is mostly nothing other than live games. This is going to be an illegal crack block or crack crack block on the safety. No wonder the conference is going to hell. And by the way, we're recording this the night of the Pac-12 championship game. Wait till next year when the Pac-12 championship game is Washington State and Oregon State. Oh, Wazoo's going to take that Pac-2 championship, baby. Pac-2. <laughs> hey, theme music. Oh, we're doing this live, baby. Oh, we're going to do this live. Oh, no. High above the hustle and bustle of these city streets, four of the world's greatest fibbers are about to challenge your common sense and intuition at the regular meeting of the all-new Liars Club. Introducing, from Perfect Strangers, Miss Rebecca Arthur. From It's a Living, Mr. Paul Kruppel. From We've Got It Made, Miss Terry Copley. And here's our resident authority on almost nothing at all, Mr. John Barber. And now, to keep this unruly group in order, the president of the new Liars Club, Mr. Eric Boardman. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Welcome to the new Liars Club. As the announcer said, I am Florence Griffith Joyner. Uh, a lie, a lie. And I'm going to leave all the lying to our professional prevaricators here tonight. It should be noted, the video that Greg just played gives the air date of the premiere. This may be the U.S. premiere date as September 19th of 1988, but it did run for 130 episodes. We'll get into the episodes and some other stuff later on, but I know Greg has stuff to say. Okay, the first 15 seconds I have a lot of questions about, just for the 15 seconds of this. Now, first we see a city bus, Mike. I have to wonder, where do you think that city bus is going? Somewhere in Vancouver. 
oh, what you're gonna go to like the bus is gonna go to like the Canucks game or something. It might be going to Victoria for all we know. Who knows? There's plenty of things to do in Vancouver. And then we see a Rolls Royce. And I think Greg had the question, where in Vancouver in 1988 could you get a Rolls Royce? Yeah. It's like, how many Rolls Royces have you ever seen in Vancouver? And also, just what are the odds that when this was recorded... Oh my gosh, there's a Rolls Royce. We need to record this. And then we cut to this office building, which might as well be like some office building off the highway. And on one episode, you had John Barber complaining about the working conditions, generally how they recorded six episodes a day. But also, you see this tower, this building, however many stories that is, 10, 12 stories, and John Barber says they actually record the show in the basement. So why are they showing us the top of a building? I mean, if it's like SNL or something in 30 Rock where it's legit, you know, however many floors up, 20, 30 floors up, I get that. But John Barber just said, hey, we record in the basement at CKVU or whatever station this is in Vancouver. Well, let's be fair, Mike. He might be lying. Oh, it is the new Liars Club. Good point. Now, this is a regular meeting of the all-new Liars Club. Now, Mike, this implies that there was a previous Liars Club. Yes, there was, Greg. Back in the 70s, there was uh, a version of the Liars Club hosted both by Bill Armstrong, who happened to be the announcer in that open, but also Alan Ludden was a host for a while. And before that, the original Liars Club aired in the late 60s and the host was Rod Serling. Oh, that's fantastic. The host of the Twilight Zone himself. I think he may have even created the show. Oh, that's awesome. He did it all, Rod Serling. He did the Twilight Zone, he did Night Gallery, and he did this. He had a lot of irons in the fire in the late 60s and early 70s. Absolutely. Oh, and by the way, we were talking about where could you get a Rolls-Royce in Vancouver? Well, you can get it at Rolls-Royce Motor Cars in Vancouver. Oh, boy. 1809 West 5th Avenue, Vancouver, B.C., V6J1P5. Now, hold on, Mike. This is not going to be the last time we're ever going to talk about something from Vancouver on a show that we're going to cover on this podcast. Well, we did. We talked about the Doctor Who episode that was found at CKVU just last month. Uh, That's right, but hold on a second. Because I'd be remiss to not mention, since Chico's not here for this episode, that season one of 15 was taped in Vancouver. And we are going to talk about that in the near future. Oh, and by the way, I'm just taking a look at the price of some of the Rolls Royces here. If you'd like a Rolls-Royce Ghost for uh, 2023, Greg, it's going to cost you 623335 Canadian. How much is that in American dollars? Great question. I'm guessing it's probably going to be somewhere in like the 450 to 500,000 range. Oh, yeah, because the Canadian dollar is not worth much. 623335 Canadian dollars as of the time of recording is equivalent to $461,790.40 American. 
So yeah, if you got half a million American burning in your pocket, you can go to Vancouver and get yourself a 2023 Rolls Royce. Just a little bit better looking than the 1988 Rolls Royce we saw in the open for the new Lions Club. So there you go. They probably got that Rolls Royce from that dealership. Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. I think the cost of living in Vancouver is like really high. So you got to have rich people living there. Because I think the cost of living is sort of like on par with uh, Seattle. Not cheap. But we're not here to talk about Rolls Royces or how much they'll cost in American or Canadian dollars. We're here to talk about the new Liars Club. Was there anything else you want to mention about the Open? No. Okay. The new Liars Club was played just like the old Liars Club. We're talking about the later version with Bill Armstrong and Alan Ludden hosting, where you're shown a weird object or invention for the first three rounds and sometimes in the final round as well and each of the celebrities the four celebrities that are on the panel they give a description about this item and the idea is to determine obviously which one's telling the truth and it should be noted that the fourth round is generally a piece of art but sometimes another odd item in round one the payoff is a one-to-one ratio in round two it goes up to two to one So you get double your wager back if you're right. In round three, it goes to five to one. And round four, it goes to 10 to one. Again, just like the syndicated version of Liars Club, same odds, same everything. A little bit of changes along the line elsewhere. We'll get to that in a few minutes. You're staked with 100 points, not dollars, points. And whoever has the most points after four rounds, they win a prize. Mind you, it's Canada. The prizes are not that great. Stuff like sportswear. Stuff like appliances, dishwashers, trash compactors, refrigerators. Even later in the run, they gave away motorhome vacations. So it's not a vacation to a faraway destination. They did give away trips to Las Vegas and stuff like that. But they give you a vacation in a motorhome or a vacation on a houseboat. Not really expensive prizes. And then on top of that, if you happen to get all four items right, you won a bonus prize on top of any other prize you may win. And that did happen a number of times on the show from what I've seen. I think it's happened in the shows that I've seen twice. So again, not really a big bank buster of a TV show. Some of the intricacies about this show... And I don't know if this is just like a lack of vision from the producers or what have you, but I said that you wager your points in every round. One rule I didn't tell you is you couldn't wager more than half your points. So that left you with a guaranteed 20 points for the final round. If you bet the maximum for every round in round one, round two, and round three, hypothetically, you're left with 20 points. So you could still make a comeback. But one thing that I noticed, they say you can bet up to 100 points. And mind you, these are in 10-point increments. They had cards that that you put into the uh, slots of the little displays in front of uh, each of the contestants to identify your wager. The problem is they didn't have a card for 100 points. The highest it went was 90 But they never treated it like 
there was a hundred point wager. You could only bet up to a maximum of a 90, even though the show said you could bet up to a hundred points. That just seems lazy. And even further, the readout of the scores had three digits. So if you scored more than 999 points, they couldn't put your score on the scoreboard. And that happened plenty of times. And there were episodes where two or three contestants earned over a thousand points. So what did they do? The third place contestant, their score was 990. The second place contestant, their score was 998. And the winner was given 999. How could you not be prepared with a four-digit readout? That's lazy. That's cheap. That's unprepared. Besides that, I thought this is a great show. I, I really love this show. And anybody who's listened to this podcast for any length of time knows this was my routine between like August and October getting ready for work. And then just over time, the schedule for when it aired pushed a little bit later every day, a little bit later. So instead of being able to watch two episodes of Liars Club, I'd be able to see one. And then I'd be able to see like the first 10 minutes. And now it starts like as I'm on the road going to work. But I think the reason that we're here is the celebrities. And Greg is nodding his head. He's the silent partner in this episode. I don't have a list of the celebrities. I can go through a number of them. We've talked about a number of them. You heard in the open to the episode on the premiere week, you had Paul Kreppel from It's a Living and you had Terry Copley from We Got It Made, podcast favorite around here. You know, we love her. We love We Got It Made. And you had Rebecca Arthur from, again, one of Greg and Chico's favorite shows, Perfect Strangers. But on top of that, you did have a real variety of celebrities, some popular or reasonably popular some not so popular. You had like Beverly Garland, legend. Mark Summers was on for a week. We know all about him. You had uh, James Doohan, Scotty from Star Trek. You had some newer faces who are still pretty big. I want to say Andrew Stevens is on a week. So you had, let's say, C-level celebrities, maybe low B-level celebrities. And you also had like your... I don't want to say bottom of the barrel with all due respect, because they've had more success in showbiz than I've had, but you have like your D minus and F level celebrities, people who were actors and actresses on soap operas. And you look at their Wikipedia pages. They haven't done a single thing in the last 15, 20, 25 years. One of those people, and we've talked about this is from Frank's place, which we're going to cover next year. There was a gentleman by the name of Don Yeso, and we've played it, and we're going to play it again because I know Greg loves it, and I think it's hilarious. John Barber introduces Don Yeso as his son, John Barber's son's favorite character on John Barber's son's favorite TV show in 1988, and the character name he gives is Shadi LaRue. But the character's name is actually Shorty LaRue. And he didn't do this just once. I've seen multiple episodes from this week. Every single episode that week, he called him Shoddy LaRue. And never once did Don Yeso go to John Barber and say, Hey, my character's name is Shorty LaRue, not Shoddy LaRue. 
My son's favorite character from my son's favorite show, he plays Shotty LaRue, and Frank's place Don Yeso. I can't even just like question how John Barber messed up his kid's favorite character on his kid's favorite TV show in 1988. Greg, say something. Hold on. How do we know it was his son's favorite show? He could have been lying about that too. Is that going to be a running theme? Just everything could be a lie that we're talking about. Everything everyone says on this show could be a lie. Oh my gosh. Greg's not wrong. It, it's very possible. They might be such good liars that you know, maybe John Barber's lying about his own flesh and blood enjoying certain TV shows and certain characters. And obviously John Barber's lying about ever watching it with his son because he knows his character's name is not Shadi LaRue. Oh, we should also add that uh, John Barber was a celebrity on every episode. The reason for that is CanCon, Canadian content. John Barber is of Canadian descent, and you do need some representation from Canada on shows like The New Liars Club. You saw that on stuff like Chain Reaction, where you had Rod Shalawa, the announcer who played that end puzzle game that they give at-home viewers for funsies. So sort of like that. So he fit the Canadian content to make uh, the Canadian government happy. Greg, did you want to add something? Oh, no, no I just I was like, like, yeah, I love those segments from the okay. change reactions. I don't know if this is budgetary. I don't know what the circumstances behind this might be, but you had three changing celebrities every week, along with John Barber, for the first 13 weeks of shows. So 65 episodes, 13 weeks, you had 13 sets of three new celebrities rotating with John Barber. But then starting with the 14th week, maybe it's because the ratings weren't so good. Maybe they wanted some stability. Maybe it's a cost-saving measure. They went with three celebrities. Two of them are beloved around here. The first one is Shannon Tweed. I don't even think we need to talk about Shannon Tweed, but if you'd like a little bit of Shannon Tweed talk, she was on a very early week of Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. We mentioned she was a Playboy Playmate of the Year. She's been married to Gene Simmons for seemingly ever. And actually, through the course of the new Liars Club, Shannon Tweed was pregnant with her first son, who happens to be uh, Gene Simmons' kid. Wow. And actually, on one later episode, you see her holding the newborn. I mean, he's now 35 years old or so, but you see her holding it. And I'm guessing this is sort of to avoid the paparazzi TMZ effect. I know TMZ wasn't around in 1988-89. But the thing is, she always referred to her boyfriend as Andy. Didn't say Gene Simmons. It was always Andy. I don't know if that's some sort of inside joke. But Gene Simmons' name was never mentioned. Maybe because they weren't married at that time and having a kid out of wedlock was sort of verboten back then. I don't know. But it fits because it's the new Liars Club. So there, another lie. Oh my God. Everything on this show's a lie. The second of the regular celebrities joining Shannon Tweed and. God, I'm gonna laugh. He's not gonna finish this, folks. No, no, I'm gonna get through this. I'm gonna get through this. The second celebrity that was on the panel with John Barber and Shannon Tweed, 
again, beloved favorite around these parts, Jimmy Walker. And we know why Jimmy Walker did this. Because he needed the money. Money. There you go. And Jimmy Walker, he's always been sort of a ham. Let's say that. Watching him, he's like really gathered the attention. He sort of made a spectacle of himself, stood up a lot. And anytime that there was an object that was colored black. So just for example, I've got a little loop here, a, a jeweler's loop. He'd say that item was a black thing. And the third person, this might be a little unconventional casting. The last person on the panel with the previous three people is a gentleman by the name of Pete Barbuti. He was promoted as one of Johnny Carson's favorite entertainers, musician, comedian. And this is the first time we're going to talk about Pete Barbuti, but believe it or not, we're going to talk about him next month. Greg has a shocked look on his face. He obviously doesn't know where we're going to talk about him. We talked about the celebrities. We haven't even talked about the host. The host is a gentleman by the name of Eric Borden. He is not necessarily a known name, at least beyond hosting the new Liars Club, but he is an alumnus of Second City, and he was a writer and performer on Future Entry, and actually, we're going to cover this next month in January, the Tim Conway Show. And I got stuff to say about the Tim Conway Show, because I thought it was a good show. You could still see it. We're not here to talk about the Tim Conway Show, but we'll cover that next month. Your announcers, as we talked about earlier, one of them was Bill Armstrong, who was one of the hosts of uh, the Liars Club back in the 70s. And he announced on a number of shows. He announced on Celebrity Sweepstakes and Stumpers, previous entry. And he was the announcer on Possible Future Entry, The Real to Real Picture Show. I think we've got to include not just The Real to Real Picture Show, we got to cover PAX one day. I know it's still around as Ion, but PAX, oh, it went downhill like immediately. But then again, at the 65 episode mark, maybe a money issue, Bill Armstrong is out the door and they bring in an announcer by the name of Ted Friend. Hold on a second, Mike. That sounds like a made-up name, Ted Friend. No, Ted Friend's his real name. He's got an IMDb and everything. Ted Friend was born in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada in July of 1949. He continued to reside on Vancouver Island even after leaving the University of Victoria choosing CFAX radio as the starting point of his career in broadcasting. Hold on. How do we not know that IMDb page is a lie? Maybe that's what we need to do this episode is spot the truth teller. Maybe this entire episode's a lie. Maybe there's like one hidden truth in this entire episode and it's your job to figure it out. Now you see, I don't want to go through his IMDb because how many of these are lies then? You're making me suspicious. Among the parts that Ted Friend played, he was a TV anchor on an episode of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show. He was a local field reporter in the movie Freddy Got Fingered. Oh, that's terrific. Freddy Got Fingered. The Tom Green magnum opus Freddy Got Fingered. I never thought I'd hear the words Tom Green and magnum opus ever used. Oh, 
Mike, it is a glorious movie. Freddy got fingered. I can't believe we're talking about Freddy got fingered. You damn right we're going to talk about Tom Green. No, I'm talking about Freddy got fingered. I didn't say Tom Green. Tom oh. Green, we can talk about, but I just can't believe we mentioned Freddy got fingered. He played an announcer for Portland in Slapshot 2, Breaking the Ice. God, slap shot too. Now that's the opposite of Freddy Got Fingered. Moving on real fast. Greg, he was on a segment of Beyond Belief Factor Fiction. What? He was on a segment of Beyond Belief Factor Fiction 2002, a segment called The Weatherman. Oh, The Weatherman. Now I'm curious. I want to see if there's any like really big stars in this or, or moderately big stars. Yeah, like the one time we watched that segment with Beans Morocco and Rip Taylor. And what a segment it was. It was. Sadly, the answer is no. There's no names on here. But getting back to the career of Ted Friend, since I've opened that door, he played an NY1 anchor in Elf. Oh, so he was an Elf. He was an Elf, yeah. And it's the 20th anniversary of Elf this year. And obviously, this is the time of year for Elf. So when you watch reruns on Freeform or whatever station is showing it, look for Ted Friend as the NY1 anchor. He was also a reporter in Scary Movie 4. Oh, Scary Movie 4. What a career this man has had. Freddy Got Fingered, Elf, and Scary Movie 4. And don't forget Beyond Belief. So needless to say, he's actually had a pretty decent career the biggest thing may be the new Liars Club, but still, he's had a career that's lasted well over 35 years. Another intricacy, and I'm going to go back to Bill Armstrong with this. Watching, this makes me think that Bill Armstrong was entirely canned. He was not in studio. He did get a credit for like being like an associate producer, something to that vein. Watching the episodes, I get the feeling that Bill Armstrong was not there. Everything was canned, pre-recorded, and they just hit a button. And also, I know he did the announcing of the celebrities in the open at the top of the show. I believe he only did that for the first week. Because generally, until episode 66, until week 14 started, you would have John Barber introduce the guests. And he'd give a little brief snippet about their career, what they're promoting, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. So I've got the feeling that a lot of what Bill Armstrong did was canned. And to fuel those suspicions, after a certain point in the show, I'm going to say 20 episodes in or 15 episodes in, you had Eric Boardman when he says, if you get all four items right, you'll win a bonus prize. And instead of saying, Bill, what prize are they going to win? He throws out stuff like, hey, Marie, what are they going to win? Hey, Angela, what are they going to win? Linda, what are they going to win? He just kept on throwing out random names. Hey, Jean-Claude, what are they going to win? And if anybody should get all four rounds correct, uh, Linda, what do they win? Veracron's elegant anniversary-style Leicester quartz clock. I am surprised that nobody broke up over that, but also at the same time, you didn't hear Bill Armstrong say, damn it, my name's Bill Armstrong. Therefore, Bill Armstrong must have been canned. Possibly from like week two on to week 13. I don't know if that's brilliant or if that's lazy. He got paid either way. 
one other thing I want to mention is, and this episode airs semi-frequently on uh, Game TV. We'll get to that in a little bit. Episode 119. I even remember the episode number. That's how like ingrained this is in my head. There was an episode where the four celebrities, John Barber, Shannon Tweed, Jimmy Walker, Pete Barbuti, they played the role of contestants, and the celebrities were played by four previous contestants on the new Liars Club. And actually, one of them was on episode 118, so I'm guessing the powers that be, probably uh, the producer, Blair Murdoch, said, hey, we're doing this sort of role reversal. You want to stick around for another episode? You did a real good job. You didn't win, but we found you funny. We want you to be in the John Barber role on this episode. And really, if you can find it, I don't know if it's out on YouTube. You can find it if you're lucky. I know I have it as a privatized link on YouTube. It's a real good episode. It's a real funny episode. And given you have Jimmy Walker, things go a little off the rail. It is a very goofy episode. They definitely were playing for laughs, even though whoever among the celebrities that won, they had a card in an envelope with the name of one of the four contestants. And that contestant won the day's prize. It is really a very funny episode and uh, highly recommended uh, you search for episode 119 of the New Liars Club. Now, the show itself, you can watch it on Game TV if you're in Canada. But if you're not in Canada, on the Plex TV app, they have a Game TV Go channel. And they show only a certain number of Canadian shows. And they only show maybe about six, seven different titles and one of them happens to be the New Liars Club. And they have basically the same schedule on a daily basis. The New Liars Club is on twice in the morning, generally between about 7.30 and 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. And then in the afternoon, they show four episodes, back to back to back to back, generally between like 1.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern Time, until about 3.30, 4 o'clock Eastern time. So there's an opportunity to watch there. I mean, it doesn't work for everybody, but they have the same schedule seven days a week. So, you know, you can turn it on on Saturday morning or on Sunday morning or Saturday afternoon, or I'll even admit when the Browns stink, what do I do? I flip on the new Liars Club. There's two hours of the new Liars Club. I'm like a pig rolling around in mud. Even though this year the Browns are actually doing sort of good. Come back to me next week when Joe Flacco starts this week. So that's it. Unless there's any comments uh, Greg has regarding the show, regarding other little intricacies that he noticed while watching the show. Nope. Well, now that that's out of the way, Greg, I think it's time that you give us a little Russell Westbrook update. Yes, it's been two weeks. So let's get back to see what happened with Russ in the last two weeks. Russell Westbrook, he can sure score triple-doubles, but he sure as hell can't think straight when he's trying to make a pass. It's the Russell Westbrook update! When we last left Russ two weeks ago, the Clippers came off a 106-100 win against the Rockets. 
well, on November 20th against the Spurs. He scored 10 points in a 124-99 win. And then they played the Spurs again. So the Clippers played the Spurs in San Antonio on Monday the 20th and Wednesday the 22nd. Don't ask why. I have no idea. But the Clippers won that game 109-102. He scored eight points. On November 24th against New Orleans, they lost 116-106. to He scored three points in 14 minutes as they lost by 10 points. But the next night, against the Mavericks at home, on November 25th, he scored 14 points with 8 rebounds and 7 assists in a 107-88 win. And then, on the 27th of November against the Nuggets, where they lost by 9, he recorded a double-double. He scored 14 points and 11 rebounds. But Mike, he got into it with a fan. Why did he get into it with a fan? I don't know. This fan's giving him some shit. And this lady ref's holding him back. Hold on a second. Is that the same lady ref that uh, Luka Doncic was saying fouling in love with you? Do you remember that? There aren't many female referees to begin with. It's very possible. And if you know, you know. But yeah, this fan was giving him some shit. And look, you see, like, the security's out on the court and everything. Yeah, look at him. He's heckling him. That's ridiculous. Steve Ballmer, you should kick him the f*** out of the Staples Center. Jeez. Sorry, I forgot it's now called the Crypto.com Arena. But to be fair, the Clippers are only in there for a little while until they move to their new arena soon. But I have good news, Mike. Against the Kings on November 29th, on a Wednesday... The Clippers won 131 to 117, and Russ scored nine points, and he got eight assists. But last night, as we're recording this, against the Warriors, they lost by six, and he scored 14 points and got 11 rebounds. So he got another double double. So let's see where the Clippers are in the standings right now, as we're recording this. I got him at 11th in the West. Okay, eight and 10. 8 and 10. Okay, it's still early. Did Russell Westbrook come off the bench for each game? Because remember, last time we talked, he said, I think I'd be better coming off the bench rather than starting. And I think he has come off the bench as of late. Okay, let me look in the last couple of weeks. Uh, 25 minutes, 27 minutes, 14 minutes, 25 minutes, 27 minutes, 19 minutes, and 26 minutes. Those don't sound like starters minutes. Because starters would play 35, 40 minutes. If he's playing 14 minutes, he's not starting. Unless he's getting injured. Which, obviously, he's not. Well, also remember, they have James Harden now. Yeah, very true. And we talked about how everybody wants the ball now in uh, Los Angeles. Because you got James Harden, and you've got Kawhi, and you've got Paul George, and you've got Russell. Got to make him happy somehow. So maybe that means you need to cut Russell Westbrook's minutes from 30, 35 per game down to, say, 15, 20. Well, now that we've got the Russell Westbrook update out of the way, I think we can officially close the book on the new Liars Club. It was a decent enough show with a decent enough host, really a host that should have gotten opportunities elsewhere. The celebrities, meh. When you're talking about Jimmy Walker and Shannon Tweed and 
really not a name in Pete Barbuti as your regular celebrities, they're not going to draw a lot of eyes. And even though it didn't last terribly long back in 1988 and 1989, it lives on forever in our hearts and on Plex TV. And for those reasons, the all new Liars Club, as much as we love it, it's just a thing on TV. And also it's on bonusround.ca. I should have added that because it is on bonusround.ca and Greg has talked in the past about his subscription and just how amazing it is. Best $2 you'll ever spend. $2 a month. Yeah. That's going to do it for this episode of It Was a Thing on TV. But please remember, you can always go to our website over at itwasathingontv.com where you can listen to the previous 433 episodes that preceded this one. We have all sorts of great stuff there. Minisodes, live shows, extended versions, instant reactions. We got it all. And remember, we're on social media, including uh, Instagram, Threads, Mastodon, at It Was a Thing on TV, except for Facebook, where we are at It Was a Thing on TV podcast. And please remember, if you want to follow us on Mastodon, search for us at It Was a Thing on TV at tvwatch.party. And also remember, please subscribe to the podcast wherever fine podcasts can be streamed at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, however long that's going to be around, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Audible, Spotify. We're just about everywhere. Also, don't forget we are on YouTube where you can like and subscribe to our channel. And please don't forget to hit the notification bell on YouTube to stay informed with all future uploads on the channel, including what's coming up on the podcast next week. Well, next week, we are going to celebrate a centennial. We just did the Frank Reynolds centennial last week. And Greg, if I may say so myself, that was a great centennial. You did a great job with that. It was all the magic of editing. Well, not just the power of editing. You picked some quality clips. Oh, the Apollo clips were gold. All the clips were gold. I thought it was great. But next week, we're going to do another Centennial event. We're not going to do like we did with like the Larry Bud Melman Centennial or the Frank Reynolds Centennial. We're going to do like what we did for the Norman Lear Centennial, where we take a look at a show that this individual did. You probably know who would have celebrated their 100th birthday next week. And we did have this planned before this person's passing earlier this year. We're going to talk about a show that tried to take advantage of the reality genre of the early 80s. You had shows like That's Incredible and Real People, and CBS wanted a little cut of that action. So they went to one of their venerable hosts and kind of used one of their venerable shows, which had been on the air for many years, for about 25 years or so since 1950, but with a twist, with that little reality, real people, that's incredible twist. We'll talk about that. But also, coming up, we have a cinematic release. Do we want to mention it? Well, let's just say a person from the ocean is going to have a battle. And it's going to take place in a lost kingdom. So, Greg, are you trying to tell me that this movie that's coming up 
it may have some fans and maybe some Momoa. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. But we're going to talk about two shows, one next week regarding that cinematic release, and then one the week after related to the same theme. So you got the Centennial coming up next week. You've got the first episode related to this Momoa thing, whatever that could be, right here at It Was a Thing on TV. As always, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, and we'll give you two fresh episodes starting next week. Greg, give us a roar. Wow! Hi there. If you have an unusual item you'd like to share with us, please send us a photograph of the item along with a brief description and a return self-addressed envelope, maybe a phone number in case we have to get a hold of you. You send it here to the New Wires Club, 265 25th Street, West Vancouver, British Columbia. And what's the zip there, George? Read that. What's the zip? Okay, help me. I beg you. No, 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 no. It says V7V4H9. No, you don't. You start from the top and read down. You don't start from the bottom and read up. Thanks very much. See you next time, folks. Bye-bye. Bing.